today, I, I don't know, the institutional investor base is probably 300 groups, mm. right? It, it could be more, probably yeah. is. Yeah, there probably is. More, and yeah. then that was, call it 2011, 12 years ago. I don't know, there was 40. Wow. So, and the model was more, there were, there were partnership models. I mean, doctors were having equity, um, but there was still a lot of practices, a lot of good practices, and it was more for the retirees. Whereas today's models are, you know, how, how do we partner with younger docs to, to make this a career move and where, you know, we can get them in and they actually are part of, um, three sales of private equity firms. So, I mean, if you're 35, 40 years old and you're able to come in early with one of these new DPOs, if you would, you know, you can get some money off the table today, but you know, you'll get your second bite at the apple, your third mm. and your fourth, right? So if it's every five or six, seven years and you're 35, you've got 20 years and your equity keeps rolling and, you know, it could be substantial. Bringing that data into one place and then segmenting it based on um, a criteria of KPIs. And it's probably a hundred of them. Mm. And with those, you know, t today's market is, hey, look, let's look at our dashboard and see what it is. Um, but if you need to make decisions as an operator and you need to know them quickly, you need to understand which data points I need to look at and why. Yeah. And the only way you can do that is to put it up against the goal. It's a problem. It's a big problem. It's not easy to solve. And and I think you're taking the step in the right direction. So that's exciting to see. And uh, obviously, there's it's always a work in progress, right? Because it's like, once you figure out one section, it's like, okay, what about the next section and the next section? And dental is fairly um, new to all of this. Like, it's really, really new. And just getting the data that you want and getting top of funnel data, mid-level funnel, bottom of funnel, uh, internal marketing versus external. I mean, you could go on and on and on. Welcome to another episode of Dental Marketing Theory. I'm your host, Gary Bird. I'm the founder of SMC National, where we help you create, convert, and close more new patients so you can grow the way that you want. But if you want to grow, you're going to need people who help you along the way. And that's one of my guests today, Ven, who is the founder of Mava. They're not only a firm that helps you consult and get you in the right direction for your practices to grow, but he's also working on building a dashboard to put all your KPIs and all of your software tracking all in one place, which is really, really cool. We just spent a long time talking about it, and you're not going to want to miss this episode. Vin was in the DSO industry before there was DSO. So you're going to want to hear the wisdom that he has, and he's going to break down what happened in his journey, how the market has changed, and the direction that we're going for the future. Stay tuned. All right, Vin. So why don't you tell me how you got into the dental industry? I love when I met you at Amplified, the story that you shared and how you got into the dental industry was really, really cool. So I'd love for you to share that with our audience. Yeah, great. Thanks, Gary. Uh, great to be here. Um, awesome connecting with you and Amplify and happy to be on the podcast. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I'm, I guess, one of the, the, the older group in the crowd. I've got into dentistry in the, in the mid-90s. I uh, graduated, got my MBA, and decided to open a dental practice with a dentist. Um, and this was pre-DSOs. 
they were called dental practice management companies back then. And, you know, we were pretty much one of the first ones in Massachusetts. Um, you know, started with that, grew that to six locations. Um, thought it was over a six year period in my twenties, I had six locations and, uh, with a doc and thought the next, we needed to go to the next step. Private equity, um, really wasn't in dentistry that much back then. A lot of companies went public right away. And then private equity started coming around after the dot com bubble. I didn't know that. So a lot of, so a lot of practices back then were going public or trying to. Yeah. Actually, a couple of them, you know, went public with like 70 LOIs with no back office infrastructure. Woo. I'm sure that didn't get him in any trouble. Yeah, that well, it didn't work well. <laughs> so, so yes, yeah, so we, we ended up selling to a, a DSO that was um, pre-private equity. They had about 40 locations and our six was 46. And um, I worked with those guys for three years. I ran the Northeast and, you know, we grew to about 70 locations or so. Um, and my contract was up. I took a couple of years off to try and figure out what I was going to do. And then in 2011, I moved to Florida and, um, you know, was in, was in touch with a dentist friend of mine for a number of years, which many people know. Um, and we partnered and we started with three practices um, and in 28 months, we had 31 and we sold it to a private equity firm. Wow. So I acted as the chief operating officer for that and kind of built off the back office infrastructure, um, to be able to bring this to market. So, um, during that time we, we were in Florida, Arizona, Virginia markets, and a number of the practices we were involved with were more practices that needed help versus the cream of the crop. So I needed to, I needed to move quickly and, you know, build out a team to be able to support the CEO that was bringing in deals so we can accomplish our goal to, uh, bring practices to a foundation level and show growth within an extremely short period of time to be able to then sell it to a private equity firm. Hey, I got something crazy to share with you and I'm going to get you right back to the show, I promise. So we have an event called AlignerCon coming up next year. And this month we're giving away a buy one, get one free. We're going to be partnering with Clear Correct, and this is going to be one of the biggest events that we've ever done in Nashville, Tennessee, in the biggest hotel in America. So if you want to come to this, again, we're going to give you a buy one, get one free. We want to meet you in person. Just go to alinercon.com, and we're going to teach you how to create, convert, close, and even some clinical components around Clear Aligners. So don't miss this event. Go check it out now. Back to the show. That makes so much sense. And then, so what, what would you say the biggest, before we jump into what you're doing now, what would you say the biggest difference between back then when you were sold your first 30 practices compared now, what people are facing and what's going on? What, what, what's the biggest difference to help people understand the, how the market's shifted? Yeah. I mean, th- there was number one, there are less private equity firms, right? And right? today, I mean, today 
I, I don't know. The institutional investor base is probably 300 groups, mm. right? It, it could be more. Probably yeah. is. Yeah, there probably is. More, and yeah. then that was, call it 2011, 12 years ago. I don't know. There was 40. Wow. So, and the model was more, there were, there were partnership models. I mean, doctors were having equity, um, but there was still a lot of practices a lot of good practices, and it was more for the retirees. Whereas today's models are, you know, how, how do we partner with younger docs to, to make this a career move and where, you know, we can get them in and they actually are part of um, three sales of private equity firms. So, I mean, if you're 35, 40 years old and you're able to, come in early with one of these new DPOs, if you would, you know, you can get some money off the table today, but you know, you'll get your second bite at the apple, your third mm. and your fourth, right? So if it's every five or six, seven years and you're 35, you've got 20 years and your equity keeps rolling and you know, it could be substantial. That's, that's such a great call out. Yeah. And that's a huge difference between now and then. So how, how did you, so how did, after you sold those 30 practices, what was kind of your next step in your journeys? Where, 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 where'd you go from there? So, well, what happened was during that time in the midst of, of that 28 months of, uh, acceleration, I decided to get married and, um, to my wife who was located in, uh, Massachusetts where I was originally. So, um, I needed to basically move back to Massachusetts, uh, after we sold. And, uh, you know, after a transition period, I had moved back here and that's when, um, I actually started helping a few people put on some of the DSO conferences or one of them that exists today and a couple of other ones that came and went, um, with some folks and, um, helped out, um, with Henry Shine at one point, Henry Shine had this um, organization called the Dental Business Institute, mm. where they would bring in docs that wanted to learn how to grow X four times a year. And there were, you know, guest presenters that would present. And, and I did that a number of years with those folks. So between those two, I was on the stage, uh, a whole lot more than I am now. And, you know, people came to me and said, Hey, look, you know, can you help me, um, build my practice? And I said, well, look, you know, I might as well get into consulting, do a little operations consulting before I get back in into it. the game. Right. Yeah. We'll just dabble yeah. in it. I know how that goes. Well, one thing led to another. We're doing operations help. And then, you know, we can't get P&Ls on time. Um, we lose a client. And then another client is, can you just do it for us? And then we added, you know, accounting. And then someone was having HR issues. And we're like, ah, I think we could do that. So, you know, Mava really developed into, it's realistically an a la carte DSL, right? Where we support your back office infrastructure. And the biggest thing that happens when you've got from three to six locations and you want to grow, um, no one really takes into account what it costs to support that. Yeah, Everyone just thinks like, well, I'm making a million dollars in this practice, so I'm going to make them all a million on every one until you get into it and you realize, okay, I got three practices. I'm still making a million and 
Uh, I need to spend 500,000 a year to support it with ops people, with accounting and my, you know, my debt's the other 500,000. So I'm really not making too much money. Yeah. Yeah. That, so, you know, we've, go ahead. So, so we, we really filled in that role for the small practices. And then we also, um, had another part of the business that has worked with, um, institutional investors or large organizations like guardian insurance or Walmart Ooh, okay. in a number of different, in a number of different, uh, purviews or requests if you would. Got it. Okay. Well, that's really, really cool. So what do your, um, so right now that you said you're kind of like a backend DSO as a consultant, are, are you bought in with your clients? Are you like partners with them or are you, they hiring you and then you're helping them build their organizations or how does that, how does that relationship work? Yeah. So, um, traditionally it, it has been, you know, fee for service. We haven't had equity, but you know, if they end up exiting, we have some type of performance. Oh, cool. Something like that. That's totally awesome. And, and, and and because of that, you know, the thing that keeps happening is data becomes the issue. Yeah. Right. Data just is a problem. Data was a problem back when I started. Um, and it's really what's evolving to where Mela is moving. We want to be able to impact more clients than we can handle today. Uh -huh. And the only way we can do that is if we had a lot of data, um, in a certain, in a certain way. Um, and presented in a certain fashion. Yeah. And so we're launching what we call a, a practice performance system. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's, if you look at your business and you're going to run your business in a dental business, you're not running that business on information from your practice management system only. That's what the market has today. Right. So we're bringing in an all encompassing data point where we're agnostic to some degree. Yeah. We're not building a new practice management system. We're not building a new accounting system. We're getting data from the practice management system, from your accounting system, from your HRIS system, from your VoIP system, from your patient communication system, bringing that data into one place and then segmenting it based on um, a criteria of KPIs and it's probably a hundred of them. <laughs> and with those, you know, t today's market is, Hey, look, let's look at our dashboard and see what it is. Um, but if you need to make decisions as an operator and you need to know them quickly, you need to understand which data points I need to look at and why. Yeah. And the only way you can do that is to put it up against the goal. Yeah. Yep. And, and we just got it done having a conversation on, and both of the, both of the, we had two conversations actually, and both of them are revolved around data. One was how do we get more data? And then one was around, oh, we need to make sure to only work with these people and not work with these ones because we can't get data from them, but we can get data from them. From your perspective, what is holding up the dental industry when it comes to this, this data collection standpoint? Because obviously you're trying to build not just a consulting firm, but you're trying to build a solution to help 
your consulting firm, which is the which is your dashboard. Why why is that? Why isn't there already a dashboard out there like that? You know what I mean? Like what what's going on? And you've been in dental for a while, so what's what's slowing down dental when it comes to this kind of stuff? Yeah, so I I mean I think that look the 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 big guys got this right. They've got data warehouses and data lakes. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to bring that same advantage to the small players. Now, what's prevented it is the difficulty of getting this data out of these technologies that exist today, right? And that's, we again, we had that conversation earlier. There are, you know, 12 companies or, or technologies that do X, Y, and Z, but there are only two that we can get data out of. And when I say get data out of, this is in an automated fashion, right? We, I, I can't tell you how many clients we work with. We have one now. They've got two full-time people just, pulling manual data, putting it into Excel spreadsheets. Yeah. And, and so you've got old technologies that have been around forever on the PMS side. And now, you know, what makes this even more difficult, the number of technologies that have come out to add on to the PMS has exploded over the past five years. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, it's only going to get, it sounds like it's getting more and more complicated too, because it's not getting easy. You'd think it would get easier over time. But what I see happening is a lot of these softwares are trying to be all in one and rather than work with all, those are two totally different things, right? So like, as an example, yep. an iPhone is a, an apps, the iPhone works well because I have an app store that I go in and I can access all these different apps that work inside of my apps, uh, my phone. And I can basically get whatever I want to work on my phone pretty well and pretty, pretty good. But if, if Apple said, and they actually tried this at the beginning, we're not going to work with anybody. We're only going to build our own apps. And it was horrible because they couldn't be good at everything. They couldn't be good at baking a phone and all the different applications. And that's what I kind of see happening now in dental. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? I, I, I think you're 100% right. I mean, everyone wants to own the user. <laughs> Yeah. The problem is, and you know, the problem is the user does not want to go into multiple systems. You know, the guy or the gal that's sitting at the front desk, they have to be in the PMS system, Mm -hmm. but now there's this other technology that has the list of patients I need to call that I got to click on. And then there's this other technology that you know, I have to go into to set the, the, the yeah. texts up. Yep. And there, so what's happening is there's more and more and more of these. And from an operator standpoint, if you're, if you're operating a group that is growing quickly and you're small, you're three to 30 locations, even 40 locations, but you're growing fast and you're on the operations team and you want to do a good job. You need to be getting data from all of these technologies and it's impossible to do. And, and automatically you've got to have someone log into, you know, your texting to make sure that the texts were happened. Right. And every single one of these data points, right. If you, if you check in call volumes, you got to get it, go into your VoIP system and dump it into some Excel spreadsheet. And so now you're paying someone to do that, uh, that could actually build those sheets for you. And then you paying people to go in and pull the data. So 
you know, I think if we can provide this, which we will in the next couple of months here, it will allow um, operators to be more successful. Mm, that's really cool. Yeah. It's a problem. It's a big problem. It's not easy to solve. And, and I think you're taking the step in the right direction. So that's exciting to see. And uh, obviously, there's a, it's always a work in progress, right? Because it's like, once you figure out one section, it's like, okay, what about the next section and the next section? And dental is fairly um, new to all of this. Like, it's really, really new. And just getting the data that you want and getting top of funnel data, mid-level funnel, bottom of funnel, uh, internal marketing versus external. I mean, you could go on and on and on. So that's, that's really exciting. Um, who's your ideal customer that you can really help? Yeah, so it's it's really either a large single practice, which is a group practice, right? You know, three plus doctors, or an emerging group, um, which I, yeah, I'm not sure what the latest definition of it is. Two yeah. to twenty it changes every, every month. Yeah. So let's say two to twenty. Um, but we also have, and we will have a solution for the larger ones, where they can. Inevitably, what's going to happen is the way we serve up our data, someone's not going to like, and they've got a better view on it. So for the larger groups, we will get to a point where they can access the data lay and then serve it up however they want to look at it visually. Um, but we think we might be able to get them over the hurdle and just use what they've got. That's awesome. Um, if someone wants to connect with you directly and get not only your consulting, but the opportunity to work with you with your dashboard and pulling a lot of their their information that they probably lack right now. What's the best way to get a hold of you? Yeah, I mean, email's, email's great. Uh, Vin at Mava Advisory, or you can hit the website, um, mavaadvisory.com and just pop your information in there and get the ebook. The ebook is pretty good for, you know, if you're smaller and you want to understand the hurdles you're going to be going through at stage one, two, and three based on the number of practices you had. It, it seemed to have been helpful. Awesome. Thanks so much for coming on, Vin. All right. I appreciate it. Cheers. Hey, sorry to interrupt the show, but this is a segment that I think is going to bring a lot of value to you and it's going to help you grow your practice. It's called Ask Gary, and people are emailing their questions in about their marketing to askgary at smcnational.com, or you can DM us or leave a comment below. We'll grab those. Here's, here's the question for today from Jeff. How many months before opening would you start marketing for DeNovo? And this is a really good question. It's kind of complex, right? Because there's certain things that you just can't do too early. And there's certain things that you just can't do fast enough. So let's just work through some of those. So obviously, like signage, anything on the front of the building, all that like in-person marketing that you're going to be doing right on the practice has to be done as soon as possible. You literally cannot do that fast enough because the faster you get those signs up, the faster you get that external marketing up, the better. The next thing that you can start to do is as you get closer to opening the practice, so we're talking three months, four months before, is you can start dropping like postcards and different kind of media like that, flyers to the surrounding businesses. But you have to think through how those people are going to reach out to you. So you got to have some kind of special phone line or direct them to another office that's going to answer the phones that you can start to field those opportunities as people want to sign up as a patient. Now for digital, digital, you really can't start marketing it too soon because people don't want to wait months and months to come into a dental office. So usually about a month before you open up, you really want to pepper with social uh, social and, and ads on Google and things like that. 
because now you can start signing people up and you can start driving in new customers. But again, if you go too far out or you try to do that too soon, you're going to lose a lot of money because people are going to call, they're going to answer the phone, and you're going to try to put them two months out. People aren't going to want to do that. So that's today's. If you have a question, email us at askgary at smcnational.com.